Welcome to the Evolution Podcast, where your host, Jeff Bayless, brings useful and meaningful conversations to you with the goal of serving humanity on the journey to mental, physical, and spiritual wellness. Inspired by his unique experiences in life and the military, Jeff vulnerably shares his exploration of the human spirit of resilience and higher consciousness through thought-provoking conversations and observations. One thing that is certain in this life is change, but we don't have to just change. With noticing what is coming up for us through the mind and body connection and applying careful effort, we can evolve to not only better understand ourselves, but those in our tribe. So open your minds and warm your hearts. Welcome in. Okay. Hey, Eric, uh, round two, man, you know, I, I, I want to say this is the first time that I've had guests on that I thought were remarkable individuals. And I usually have tried to kind of space them out, but uh, based on our last conversation and, you know, how much we had in common, as far as mindset, I wanted to give you the time and just do this back to back with a, with a second episode. So, uh, a tip of the hat to you, sir, for, uh, you know, my first back-to-back episode. Uh, so I, I mean that as a compliment. So I wanted to kind of just give you the opportunity to talk about and, and let you flow with uh, the cumulative stress and increased alcohol. And if I have any questions, I'll kind of save them for the end. Uh, but I, I wanted to just give you the floor, sir, and let you let you speak your mind on exactly, uh, as we talked about last week, no need to rehash uh, the whole story if anybody uh, wants to catch that one. It's immediately preceding this episode 185. Uh, they can just go back and check that out. So, uh, you know, without further ado, sir, I'm just going to kick the floor over to you and let, and let you run with it. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I've, I've been um, around the block uh, working with some of this for about two years, give or take, um, you know, about the time that, um, that I got fired and, and um, had to come through all of those things that were pretty challenging uh, in, in a way that I, <laughs> in a different way. Um, and so, heck, I might start by saying, you know, I've got a little note here about emotional survivable, uh, emotional survival, you know, because my, to- my story is cumulative stress and increased alcohol. But as I'm thinking about it, you know, when you just go up a, a little bit of a notch, that, you know, emotional survival is is kind of one of the really important things that we all have to think about. Um, and sometimes we don't think about it. Um, I did, um, you know, I've got, got a little piece of paper that I use as well. And um, before I get into too much of this, um, you know, this, this, uh, iceberg thing, right? What you know, what you don't know, and what uh, what do you know? Um, and, you know, and that's a, a pretty good way to, to look at something. If you ever see an iceberg, you can't see it at the bottom, right? <laughs> you see it at the top, and, and it can get you pretty bad, right? And, and that's just a good way uh, to think about it um, in terms of, you know, what do I know? What don't we know? And, and how do you know? That's, that's kind of the piece, is because we just run and we just move out and we go do what we're going to do. And that's just kind of the way that our culture is. So, you know, the self-awareness piece is unbelievably uh, important. Um, am I self-aware? And, and I never really asked myself that um, all that much. I, I was a smart guy. I thought I was doing well. <laughs> I think that I was doing phenomenally well some days, you know, and then there's the hubris and all of those other things. 
And, um, but you know, how self-aware are you? And, and what are the other things that you need to be aware of? Like, you know, the health triangle, the, the nutrition and sleep and the exercise pieces. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, and I, I didn't, you know, I'll get to the, maybe get a little bit to the genetics, um, especially with alcohol, but, but, you know, there's the stressors with family, work and life, family, work and life, family, work and life. And, and, you know, going through the ladder from, you know, Ensign to, you know, um, a one star, it, it's, it's amazing to me how many few interactions with my wife and my family and some other people I've had about, hey, how's this family and career issue? Do we really think about it? I mean, there's, there's a part of me that the last, I don't know, year or so, where I, I would probably start with family and careers, family and careers, family and careers, because that's what keeps, you know, the, the family together. Um, it's very, very hard. You know how, how many people end up having divorces and everything else. And so I, I think, you know, family's very, very important. You know, forget about me, I love you. That's, a, that's a, one of those things that came from somebody on uh, Hawaii when I was out there. And, uh, and this was a, I forget which order he was in, but he was just talking to me once. He said, Eric, you know, it's all about family and just it's all about, you know, forget about me, I love you. And that seems, that's probably, well, that's corny. <laughs> you know, it is, call it what it is. But those are the kind of things sometimes, you know, what what it, what are you focused on, right? And so, so to some degree, you know, as I get to this cumulative stress and alcohol and everything else, it's, there are so many different factors that you kind of have to sort of isolate a little bit. Uh, at least that's where I, you know, try to go back, go at it, you know, and, and, you know, one of the easiest ones to start with, I think, um, before I get into more of the cumulative stress and some of those things, and what do I do with all this stuff? You know, uh, I had a conversation with somebody who was really, really good. And it was somebody uh, during one of our um, flag events, right? We get a lot of, we, we got, I got a lot of help, right? And so, I went in and, and, and talked to this, this young lady and I said, so what's the most important thing? Because, you know, nutrition, sleep and exercise, you know, what are the, what if one of those is, can we just throw out? And she said, well, you can't. <laughs> and, and I said, well, that's not very helpful. And, um, and so we went round and round and round about, you know, cause sleep is really important. Sleep is really important. Sleep is really important. Nutrition. And really the only thing that that I, I saw from my perspective was I could generally get to mostly the exercise piece, right? And, and that, was, that was good. But there wasn't enough time then in that triangle to actually think about, get the nutrition, maybe not even have the right nutrition for a long time because the, the Navy did not have, you know, that kind of folks coming on board and, and teaching us, right? Um, sleep, 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 sleep. I mean, uh, this is something with John Cordell that we should be talking. I mean, he's the guy that started with this, you know, also on, on the West Coast. Um, they were working a lot of this this first, too. And, um, you know, if you don't get to that, um, that's how, I don't know, ships hit each other and people die, right? And it's because uh, we just didn't know how to, to work our ways through that, right? Um, but all I know now is, you know, we've lost a lot of people. 
as a result of, you know, stress. <laughs> so, and different kinds of stress. So, you know, back to, um, you know, the cumulative stress. It, it took me a while. I think it was uh, one of the, one of my friends uh, who's now, I think a two-star, he was, he was kind of doing the one-star thing and running around saying, Hey, um, let's go talk about, you know, all the stress that's associated with, with these one stars before they go someplace. Um, and that was pretty helpful. Um, but, but it was very, it was like one of those things that was just right, right out the gate. Right. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're going to do this and then we're going to run. And, um, but the way that I think about it, um, you know, that cumulative stress for me is completely real. And, and I really didn't, get to that point until probably the last six, seven years of, of my career, where, where it was really, really, really uh, important to me to get everything done, to get it done fast uh, with three stars and four stars and all that stuff. And man, when I started just internalizing that pressure with regard to cumulative stress, I, I really found out to myself, Oh my God, it's real. It wasn't real. You know, for whatever reason, I was, uh, you know, you and I both had this conversation uh, on the last one and it was, don't lie to yourself. Well, okay. <laughs> this is about real stress. And I've been blowing that off for quite some time. So, so what do I do next? Right. And then right underneath that it's family and careers. You know, I probably should have started with that, but that family and careers and the cumulative stress, that's where my wife kept saying, hey, what are you doing, Eric? You know, why are you in the living room? Um, why are you drinking so much? You know, can't you come over here and do something else that's more productive? You know, those were the kind of things that I was getting uh, to, to, to push me in a way from family members to go do something different, whatever that different was. And I just wasn't at that point in time willing to go do something different, right? And, um, and I think you and I kind of had that conversation as well. Um, and the things that I really didn't talk as much about um, when I was doing this with the NLEC folks um, early on, because I think I wasn't quite where I needed to be early on, um, but was things like, okay, talk to me about big stressors. Will there ever be time when you're going to have a family member that might die while you're on um, you know, a ship and you might not be able to go back? We're better about that. We do go back, right? I think we're much better than we used to be. But sometimes, you know, for me, I couldn't go back one time. And I, I'll never forget that. And, you know, maybe I should have picked up my hand and say, you know, there was one, one gentleman that, that wanted me to come back on a, on a pretty big exercise, but it wasn't, it was an exercise. Um, but so those kinds of things, big stressors, family illnesses, deaths, those kind of, how do you, how do you, get after that when you're out there on the point and there's a whole lot of other people that are having the same problems cumulative stress at home and all those things and the careers and everything else we all know that dogs and cats and elephants and all that stuff right um and so i th i think about this a little bit in terms of tyranny of little stressors and sometimes the tyranny of little stressors are the ones that get you i mean they get their little ankle biters right um at least for me um, and then, you know, I kind of, I, I start coming down the cycle here and it's about, you know, workaholics. <laughs> so, so how many of us are workaholics? Hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's count a little bit, you know, pretty much all of us. Um, but you know, so what, what does it mean? What does being a workaholic mean? You know, okay. Only I can do this. 
that's kind of how I interpreted it, right? And sometimes it was, that's not, that's not the right interpretation, I don't think, <laughs> because there should be other people who are identifying that there are workaholics and if they need to be helped, then we should give them the, the help that they should have, right? Um, oh, but only I can do this. There's a lot, I, I was like that pretty much for most of my career is I can do this and I don't need any help. And really that's not helpful. <laughs> so, and then I've got this tough boss, um, you know, great boss. And um, we don't wanna be seen as, as weak with the boss. And, um, and, and I'll tell you that, you know, early on, I, I was probably like you, like everyone else is you wanted to make sure that the boss um, was happy with you. You know, maybe it's not the happy, but, but you know, that you wanna make sure that the boss uh, is got what he needs uh, or she. Um, and that's really, really, really important. So for me, you know, I had a lot of bad bosses. You probably had a lot of bad bosses. Early in my career, I had a lot of bad bosses because I think that's when the um, uh, era of the, the Vietnam folks came in. And I don't, I'm not saying that they were all bad or anything like that, but there were a lot of folks that came in that weren't quite the same um, uh, that, that we ended up having over time. So, but, so I started to think about that. What does that mean? You know, okay, that great boss, you know, I want to make sure that I am not seen as being weak. Back to cumulative stress, right? It's real. And, and I really don't want to be weak, <laughs> you know, but I have this cumulative stress. And so I'm drinking to get around it and everything else again. And that's just not, you know, that, that's, that's not resilience. That's just bad. <laughs> it's not resilience at all. So you know, and then there's this uh, thing that I talked about. I can't remember what the book was, and I wish uh, I need to. I need to look it up. But it was somebody said that you know uh, humans are the only animals that stress in three time zones: past, front, uh, present, and future. Um, you know, and and that's because they're animals, right? And they're either they're either going to be chased by someone who's going to eat them, right? Or they're going to catch something that they want to eat, or they're going to die. Um, but but past present and future, it's, it's a completely different way to think about things. Whereas when I wake up, I am thinking about how am I going to get through this day? And, oh my God, am I going to be okay? And when I go um, get to Admiral Grady, uh, or we should strike that out, but if, when I go to my boss, um, you know, how am I ever going to get that, you know, that presentation where it has to be for that four star. And so every single part of the day, I'm talking about past, present, and future. Did I screw up last time? Right? Uh, wow, what did I miss? And you know, some of us are pretty good about you know not not being too um, freaked out, right? <laughs> but but sometimes, you know, it's just really hard to understand. Is does my boss like what I'm doing? Does he hate what I'm doing? Am I giving him what he needs? And do I have to re you know redo it? And am I doing that around midnight or being an idiot and, and work, waking up early in the morning and doing it again there? I, you know, there's all kinds of those things. So for me, I would have to say that I, you know, I, I absolutely was one of those guys was trying to make sure that my boss got everything every day. And I wasn't going to fuck that. Sorry. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going <laughs> to, I wasn't going to make that one, the one that he was going to be, you know, mad about. Right. Cause he had all the other things that he had to take care of. Right. So then, so what do I do about it, right? That's kind of, okay, now what? Um, well, do you really know about your personality strengths? I mean, really? Do you really know about your disposition? 
You know, I know some of the things that I learned over time, like, uh, oh, you know, your personality strengths, weaknesses and disposition. And, and so I would say, well, I'm a recovering micromanager. That's not a good thing to say, but I used to say that all the time, you know? <laughs> so, and then it's, uh, and then I started thinking a little bit again, okay, what else can I do that is, is better than having some of those, I'm a recovering micromanager and all that other crap, right? Oh, how about talking about humility? How about as, as officers and enlisted and everyone else, we don't use those kinds of things like a recovering micromanager and, and thinking like that's a really good thing to say and do. It kind of doesn't, it doesn't really do anything for you or for the Navy, right? So, so what do we really, what really should I think we do? It's, it's about the humility. It's about, I, you know, less I got this. And, and that's the, that's the put your hand up, you know, when, when the two ships, you know, both had problems and we had a whole lot of, you know, 17 people died. Um, the big, the big folks said, you know what, we got to make sure uh, this never happens again. And, and so how are we really going to make sure that that is never going to happen again? Right. So more humility, less, I got this. Um, and then there's some of these things that, that, you know, from a diagnostic in, in, um, point of view, all these uh, Myers-Briggs and Hogan and PDI 360 and EQ and EI and all that stuff drives your, you know, it drives me nuts because there's so many of them. But you know what, if you actually go do that and you look at them and then you sit down in, in, in a place where no one's actually, you know, you're, you're quiet and um, you can actually start thinking about, yeah, th that is something that I don't do very well. And you can actually pull that out and say, okay, I should do that more often. So I didn't do nearly enough of that. Some of it because we're so busy all the time. Um, so coming down off of that, because we could talk all, all day for that, um, more frequent medical checkups, right? And this is another one of those where, hey, you know, don't lie to yourself. Um, you know, was I honest with my screening questions on alcohol? No. And I would submit that there are a lot of red-blooded people that, that aren't honest either. Um, maybe there's a lot of them that are really honest, and I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. But when you start putting those things, it's one of those things where you go, I'm going to color this one in over here, and, and eh, it's really only one or two. It's not six or whatever it was, you know? And so you're lying to yourself. And that's, that's integrity that, that's, that we don't want to have. And, you know, that's one of my three, three of the big branches, right? So, um, and then yeah, I talked about most of this, but so now back at, so taking time off, I got some time off. I mean, I got a whole month one time. I got almost three weeks one time. I got another whole month uh, one time. And, and, and those are really good bosses who told me, take your leave and go do something with it. And so I, I did Earl, earlier on, I, I did a, a bit of that, but the, the, the larger your portfolio goes, the more you start to say to yourself, I got, I got to stay home. I got to stay home. And even when the CNO, the, the, I think still the former CNO um, started talking about, Hey, you've, you've got to have, you know, nine. Um, I think it was going to be like nine days of leave and every single senior um, senior person, one star and up had to go take that leave. Well, guess what half the people did? They said, I don't have enough time <laughs> to go do all that. 
you know, I, I got to get back to work because all that email and everything else is going to be sitting there and, it, and it's going to just make me even harder to get back to where I need to be. Right. And I don't know how we ever fix that. I don't, but at least the corporate office said, go, go do that. And I don't know how many people actually did it. You know, um, I don't think I did a full, not, a, not as a one star. I hell no. Um, you know, maybe it was three days, you know, but I didn't do nine days or anything else. So anyway, very, very interesting to me from that perspective. Um, and then, you know, this is one of the biggest questions we all, we all have to think about is Navy culture. Are you willing to ask for help? And what are the consequences if you don't? And um, I think there's all kinds of people that would have all kinds of uh, questions and answers <laughs> on that. Um, you know, I ended up having to go get some help. And I think at the end of the day, that was very, very, very helpful for me. And, and to have the corporation take the time and give me, you know, the money in and make sure that I got that before I left. Uh, I'll never, ever forget, um, forget that. I just won't. The question is, why didn't we do that earlier? Why didn't I do it earlier? And why didn't we, why don't we think it a little bit, you know, I think maybe we should, we should do that a little bit earlier. Um, so anyway, um, the genetics piece and the, the alcohol. So for me, it, it was the alcohol. There are a lot of other people, all kinds of other drugs, as, as you know, could be in this category, right? Um, but, and I think I told you as well. Uh, so, you know, my, my mom basically says, she, she was telling me a long time ago when I was about 15, she said, you know, we've got genetic dispositions associated with alcohol. And, um, and when you have that kind of disposition, you're likely going to have it um, going forward especially if you start drinking at 15. And I I said, wow, okay, oh, man, wow, that's great. Mom, thanks for telling me that. Whoosh, <laughs> went, went on, you know, because 40 years later, um, you know, my, my mom says, maybe we should have had that conversation more than just once, <laughs> you know? I mean, she's a really smart lady and, and she was a social worker and she had all of those things, you know, that she could have brought to bear, right? Things that the Navy is starting to bring to bear, um, probably not as fast as we should, but at least I think we're doing it. So, so, but yeah, that genetics piece is huge. And, um, and so there are all kinds of other drugs and other things that we could talk about. Um, and so the things that besides just the genetics piece, you know, cause generally speaking, that can be about 50% if, if that's where you are um, in your, in your stress bubble there. But the, uh, the environment and the culture too, right? Those are the other things that really get you. And you know that, you know, when, when, when you are in, a, in an environment where everybody has got to have that drink all the time, that was me. <laughs> but if, if that's what we were doing, um, then, you know, what is the environment doing to us and for us? And then, you know, what is our culture? And what does a culture mean if that's what we're doing? And that's, that's the hardest thing I think that we have to get our heads around to some degree, you know, whether it's drugs or, or alcohol or anything else. So, um, so I think for now, I'll probably, I've, I've gotten through quite a bit, I think. Um, and I would be happy to go back to things if you want me to do that, um, or we can have a, have a chat. So that was great. Uh, I have to say, uh, you know, I took several notes here and I, I highlighted 
I mean, I could, I could go into depth on every single thing that you talked about, but I starred a few things that I wrote down, uh, you know, this emotional survival and the iceberg analogy. I, I think that's, that's great. And that, that iceberg analogy uh, is, is maybe the, the outward display, right? Like this is what people are seeing on the outside. Uh, but one thing that I, I just wanted to highlight, it's less of a question, more of a, a highlight on what you said was this, this point on self-awareness, right? And it's so important. I talk a lot about just noticing things and we, we talked about a little bit off show. It's, you know, it's, boy, if, if you could just actually notice those bells and whistles and alarms that are going off, if you could just notice those things, then you can make the, you know, the, the, the small course uh, correction, the small trajectory change, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's not, it's not that you have to do a 180 there, but if you notice it, then you can do something about it. Another thing that you talked about was uh, hubris and humility. And you mentioned it early on and then later on uh, as, as you were talking and, you know, I don't want to insult anybody that, you know, maybe has done in-depth psychology work with hubris or, you know, the successive ego, but a lot of, the, you know, you talked a lot about culture and environment and a lot of these environments, uh, especially in the military, they, they, they validate the excessive hubris, right? I know mm -hmm. that was definitely my case as a ship's bosun or first lieutenant or detachment officer in charge, like, raw, we can make it happen, right? Like captain full speed ahead, <laughs> like we got this, you know? And a lot of times that's rewarded and that's great when you're operational, uh, but when you're not, then we need to understand, uh, you know, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but, you know, in, in those times of war, times you're on deployment, you're, you're, you know, you're exercising the ORM because you're on deployment, you know, there's difference in training cycle and then operational, right? When you're actually, like you said earlier about, you know, you, you were on an exercise, it wasn't a deployment, right? And, right? and a lot, I think a lot of junior personnel or just people that are outside of the military don't understand that distinction and how that can also apply into your personal life, right? You know, there are times when it's an oh shit moment when you need to take charge and save your family, right? You need, you need to, you know, slam on the brakes or, you know, you need to grab somebody up and snatch them out of harm's way. And there are times when you need to do that. And then there are also times when that hubris is not necessary just because somebody said something about your wife. This happened to me one time. I'll tell you a, a quick C story. Uh, so I, my wife and I were walking into a local uh, establishment here, Doc Taylor's, and there was a guy outside 10 o'clock in the morning. We're on our bicycles. So we're wearing the the spandex, you know, the, the stuff, right. And the guy said something about my wife's body, right. About, about her backside. And it was everything I could do not to punch this guy in the face. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we were, we were newlyweds, uh, you know, and it, it took everything within me to not do that, but it was an exercise, you know, it was an exercise of noticing and not utilizing that hubris. Like, could I have beat this guy up? Absolutely. Could I have gotten away with it? Most likely, would that have benefited anybody? Absolutely not, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 also, my wife would probably be very upset with me. So I, I, <laughs> I would have gained nothing out of that transaction, right? Um, another thing. Well, I'll, I'll let you comment on that. Is there is there anything else you wanted to kind of extend upon the self awareness, hubris, and humility before I move on to the next topic? Well, there's yeah, I think in a, in a couple of ways, um, some of it would might be corporate, and some of it might not be, um, but uh, I think I might have, see, I'm not sure if, um, you would have, if I would have been doing the NLEC pitch and, and whether you had, if you knew that. So, and so what, what happened, 
when I was going in, um, you know, I, the first time I ever was looking for a, you know, quote unquote shrink, which I, I'm probably not going to use that word again, but that's just, it just, it's easier, yeah, yeah. but, but, um, and, and so this guy, uh, really, really good guy. I found, and I found him in uh, Portsmouth. Um, it was the first time that I ever went to get some help, um, you know, for, for alcohol predominantly, but for other things. Um, and this guy was so good. And at first I was like, you know, he's not helping me. He's not helping me. He's just sitting there listening. <laughs> right. You know what? You have to sit back long enough, you know, so that that, that person can can really help you. And, and usually, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minute session. But so the first time that um, he he asked me, um, you know, when you come over here, uh, are you going to come over in your uniform or are you going to come over here in something else? And uh, I said, well, what, what do you think? And he says, well, it'd be really nice if you would, you know, come in your, your uniform because uh, that you're a one star and somebody might look at you and say, oh, him too. There, there it's okay. Yeah. And, um, and, and I really think that those kind of, of one-on-one opportunities to just take people's heads and go this way and say, oh, does that mean it might be okay for me to go and do something like that? I mean, that's literally what this guy was trying to tell me and everyone else. And, and the two, if, and I'm sorry if, if, if you weren't part of this particular discussion, but the two young men that were, were there at Portsmouth Naval Hospital when I was about to come in there um, and I was wearing my uniform, they were doing a, 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 bake sale or something right and so there i was and i said hey uh hey shipmates you know can you i guess no one likes shipmates but that's that's an old it's an i do i'm good with it yeah it's kind of cool you know, <laughs> yeah, i'm good with it yeah and the one guy you know he just looked at me and he he knew really quickly because he looked at my star and he kind of like poked at the guy right next to him and um and the other guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to go down the steps and just go down here. And you got to go this way and that way. And But you you ended up in the basement, you know. I've been and, there. Yeah, I know yeah, exactly and, what and you're I, talking about. I've been yeah. there a couple of times. And they've moved it recently. And it's a better place, by the way. But, but oh, when, okay. when that guy, you know, I, I looked around when I was trying to get some help because they didn't have the little lines of the, the really tiny yellow and, and whatever the other color was. It wasn't on the rest of the boards right because we were all trying to make sure that nobody was going to be incensed or anything like that right or or people just didn't want anyone to know that they were coming down there so it's one of these things where um mental health and all of those other things um you know some people say well we we can't do that you know there's no way we can do that we we can't make we can't do that and then uh but we have to do something different i don't know what the different is you know i'm not you know, somebody who's going to go fix that problem right now. But to the degree that people start to understand that it is okay to go, you know, to leave your place of work, to go find somebody in the hospital and have them get the help that you need and get them back into the fight and do that in a way where no one's poking at anybody, right? Maybe yeah. that's all good now. Maybe that's not a problem anymore. But being what human beings are, you know, my, my I think there's probably going to be some problems with that going forward. So anyway. it is it is getting better, and I appreciate you saying that. I, I I say a lot when I deliver my talk to commands about you know, if I had taken a knee and coming back come back in the fight with that healing had you know transpired, then 
I would, you know, I'd be a commander right now. Right. Mm. And that that's not what happened because I did, you know, I ignored everything. So, you know, yourself and myself, right. Had, had we had both uh, taken a knee, gotten the help we need most definitely would still be serving, doing well, upward mobility, all of these things. Uh, you know, it is cliche for a reason, but everything does happen for a reason that put us together, put us on a trajectory to where we can have these conversations that are going to help people. Um, and one thing I, that I noticed, uh, not to just completely awkwardly shift topics, but another thing that you talked about was uh, a book you couldn't remember the title, and it was about past, present, and future, and how we're animals, right? And I, I wonder if that's not zebras. Uh, this is why zebras don't have ulcers, uh, because in that book, they talk about that sort of thing. Uh, that may be it. Yeah, where um, zebras, you know, the lion comes and attacks the zebra, and then as soon as the zebra, you know, it goes into fight or flight mode, and then as soon as it's away from danger again, it goes back to homeostasis, right? Right. Uh, it's also kind of like this idea of the hedonic treadmill where there's this uh, philosophy of, you know, when you, you're, you're trying to get, get better, do more, be more, achieve more. Uh, and then as soon as you achieve it or get it right, you result back to the same level of happiness you had before that. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm sure when you got that star, you were like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and my family. I'm so proud of myself. But then after a while you were like, yeah, but I'm okay. Now I'm a star. Uh, how do I get the second star? How do I, how do I get this job? Right. It's, it's the hit on yep. a treadmill. Um, so I, I just wrote that down because it, it reminded me of the, you know, the past, present, future. And I thought it was worth mentioning this idea of, you know, returning back to homeostasis. And again, it's, it's not necessarily that you even have to do anything about it. It's just, well, I know this is going to happen, right? I know when I get my next job that, there's going to be some level of unhappiness with that job, right? I know that uh, if I get in a situation with my relationship, uh, which I love my wife, my wife is amazing, but as any relationship, there are times that there is some friction, right? And this, this is worth, you know, not necessarily to make it about me, but, you know, it's relatable to the listener that, you know, okay, the grass isn't always greener. Like as soon as you leave that person, you're going to find another person. And then that person's going to also have something that's, you know, uh, you know, a burr in your saddle, right. Or a thorn, uh, you know, something that is just not a hundred percent perfect. Right. And you're just going to return back to that homeostasis, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just something to notice, right. It's just something to, to, to be aware of. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you want to expound on that, but then, you know, that's kind of what was coming up for me when you were talking about the past, present and future for me. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good way to explore some things, right. And the way that you articulated it and the way that, you know, I, I pitched it up. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and it's in, in so many ways, whether it's a small ship or a really large ship and you think, you think about how people, can can still have the ability to have some sort of place where they can do something and, and have you know that element of it's okay for me over here um but oh my god you know maybe i have i'm, I'm down in you know let's let's say it's uh marines right mm -hmm. <laughs> got they've got some really tough quarters and so do the sailors absolutely and um, and so so how do you come through all of that, which is something that, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to go, you know, start the chapter of, you know, writing. Um, and, and that's not what this is all about. But but it's it's about to some degree, how do people understand 
in those kinds of environments um, if they're going to be able to get everything they need from for whatever it is that whatever a human being needs to have you you'll you have to have the ability for them to have some sort of space some sort of you know place where somebody's going to say hey it's okay you can be over here and and when you and i and others have been on ships i, I start i've started to, this talk to walk back because i'm like my god you know, somebody, I, I was up to at a funeral, I think I told you, right? Um, yeah. This weekend. And, um, and, and somebody was asking, so, you know, uh, what happens, you know, it was just the person that said, hey, what happens when you're up on a ship? And, and how many people are on the ship? I said, ah, it's over 2000, you know, and everything else. How long did you go away? And the next thing you know, these people that aren't like us, right? They're not in the military. They're, they're just, they're, their jaws are a gap if they're willing to listen, if they just, that's the problem, right? Is somebody has to come up and listen and have a conversation. And, and what does all that mean for us going forward? Okay, all this cumulative stress, all of this other things that we're doing, all this, um, all of this is pertinent to us having the best military that we ever can, right? And and what, what I'm starting to, to see and this is probably over the top a little bit is, is, Hey, you know, we're down to like, you know, 1% right now, the people that really want to serve at 1%. And it's almost, it's going to be about one and a half or less than a percent. So how is our, how is our nation going to get through all of this with all of the channels that we have um, going forward? Uh, and you, so I, I had all of that in my head and I was thinking about that when I was driving down. And then I realized, you know what? Let's just start with this. <laughs> Let's have a conversation so it's not overwhelming. Right. But at some point in time, there's this cloud over, over our heads that are, I, I know after having done a presentation over at BAE, not too, that a whole lot of people just want to get out. Get out. And, and the, the numbers are not great right now. You know, my son and I were having a conversation. He's, it was like Father's Day. And he's like, hey, dad, you know, I'm not really sure if, I, if I'm going to stick around. And it's, he wants to. But his wife is like, yeah, we're not doing this, right? And, and I think that conversation has been everywhere uh, on the tables, right? But right now, I think it's, it's moving in a different direction. And I hope, I hope somebody can help turn that around um, for, for us, for our constitution and everything else, you know? So I'm a little bit completely out of the box. No, no. I, what comes up for me as you're, you're talking about that is, you know, if we could just focus on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, boy, we'd, we'd have a lot happier individuals, right? Like, it's not to say that you're not going to do hard things. We're happy to make you do hard things. We're happy. In fact, you know, I'll go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs here in a sec, but, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, you have a chief in a repair locker, or, you know, you're doing some sort of training and, and the guys just or the guys and gals just aren't super motivated. Right. They're just kind of like on their cell phones or maybe they, they had the, the mid watch. So they're kind of tired. And you're like, man, you know, these these guys don't care. You know, you're trying to fire them up. I've been in this situation. Like, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go. You know, like just trying to get everybody fired up and is as excited about this as I am. Right. And trying to get people motivated uh, again to keep my boss happy. Right. As, as we talked about earlier. But what you'll find in in no shit scenarios when when it really hits the fan, people will respond, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people will absolutely respond. You know, you, you mentioned the uh, the seven fleet stuff. Uh, you know, the the bottom Richard. You know, I've seen it uh, here just recently. The Spirit of Norfolk. 
caught on fire right outside of my office and I'm watching this and I'm watching sailors respond because they're motivated to get out there and help. Right. Like when it really happens, when it really goes down, that it's human instinct that you want to, uh, you know, it's kind of like when people say help, help, help people run away. But if people say fire, people run towards it. Right. So they say, if if you're getting attacked, say fire, because people want to get in it's human nature. They want to get in and help and, and do the right thing. And I think a lot of that, you know, we can ask people to do hard things and, and, and they will, they will respond 100% of the time. Well, maybe not a hundred. There's always that one outlier. There's an exception to everyone, <laughs> right? There's that one guy that's just like, nope, not me. Uh, but, you know, generally speaking, if we focus on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if they had a sense of tribe, if they had a sense of purpose, if they felt like they were secure, right? They knew that their, their team supported them. They knew they wouldn't have to worry about food, right? Or, or shelter or any of these types of things. And even if the shelter wasn't perfect, if they knew it was the best possible scenario for the givens, you know, like when I worked at a Naval Beach Group 2, you know, the beach masters, boy, that, that's not the perfect living environment when you're out on the beach establishing a beachhead, right? That's right? for sure. But it's the best we could do. So if you could get a griddle out there and fry some eggs on a griddle, boy, that's like, you know, that's way better than the MRE, <laughs> right? So we're, yeah. we're, we're doing the best we can to support Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, and, and speaking of that, uh, you know, this, this, this nurture or this sense of love, right? And you can totally dodge this question if you want, but it's one thing I wrote down when you mentioned your mother. Uh, please, if, if, you know, if I'm getting too personal, that's fine. But I'd just be really curious because you said, and it, it, it tripped my ear a little bit when you said your mother was a social worker. And so it, I guess I don't really have a direct question about that, but I wonder if that has given you maybe later in life uh, some of this emotional intelligence, right? Because you, you're not a social worker if you don't care about people. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it just that they don't, that doesn't work. If you don't care about people, you're going to be a horrible social worker, right? Yeah. And so do you think, uh, again, this is not a, a big spectrum question. This is an Eric question. Do you think that, you know, your mother being a social worker had something to do with your interest now in emotional intelligence Or did it help you kind of bridge that gap from where you were to where you are now? That's a great question. And um, I would absolutely say yes and yes Um, in in a couple different ways. That just Um, gave me goosebumps. Like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, cool. Well, it's, you know, that's why if if we all pay attention (laughs) and, and back to the awareness piece, you know, now I have the opportunity since I'm not in the rat race. Right. And and I was thinking about this when, you know, every time I I go into LinkedIn, I'm like, sometimes I'm just saying to myself, you know, am I a failure? And and, and I've I've gotten away from that, you know, because it it actually I've done a pretty good job for the most part, but the way that, that human beings think it's just, Oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm no longer going to be, you know, let's, who, who is it? I, I don't know. Who's that four star going to be? Oh my God, I, I got to go talk about that. Oh, and, and I'm, and I'm so happy that I don't have to worry about that. What I'm really happy about right now is I can talk to my mom. I can have those conversations. I can talk to my daughter who just finished her um, program and she's going to, she's going to go out and try to help and save people, you know, all over the place. And, um, and, and I think it's, it's part of what happened here recently with us. You know, we started to have those conversations, you know, my, my mom was pretty smart, 
and she knew early on um they didn't like yell and scream or do any of that stuff neither did my 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 wife um but now that i can sit back and just think a little bit what what has happened in the interim well a whole lot because i'm really healthy now <laughs> right. know? yeah i'm yeah. a lot more healthy than i was i'm thinking a, a little bit better i'm still not where i really want to be um but most of the people that I that will come up and see me, they're like, "Hey, you look pretty good, Eric. How you doing?" You know, and um, that's what happened when I went up to the um, uh, the funeral, and like three or four people are like, "Wow, what happened?" I said, "Well, I I, I got I got good, <laughs> you know, better, I just yeah. I, I got better." And um, so you know, I think that's that's a very good question, and to to the degree that that people can understand. You know, um, whether it's um, what we're talking about, the hierarchy pieces and all that, but, um, you know, uh, emotional intelligence in particular, all of those things mean something. And there's a lot of people that that when they are on the beat and they're doing this, you know, with the full of their profession, uh, we're in good we're in, we're in good place, I think. Yeah. If, if we're not, if we're not and that the problem on the downside is. There's a whole lot of people that say, you know, that's not the kind of place I want to go because I'm not going to have enough, enough money, right? That's that's always been a problem for social workers. My mom's been talking to me about that for my whole life, along with some of these other things. Right. And, and my daughter's going into that field, right? And we're, we're hoping that, that that's going to be okay for her. But she's, she definitely wants to do it. So that's what we need is we, we need people in the, in the Navy to understand, A, that's what we need. They need to be good. Uh, we've got, you know... Uh, We've got the, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, it's a blank right now. Oh, um, we've got, we've got the fathers on the ships and everything else, right? We've got folks that are out in the sea and we're, we're getting more people on ships too, I think, from when I left. Resiliency coaches and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think, and if, and if we're smart about it, um, we can keep people on ships and not have to send them back to Portsmouth, right? And spend a lot of money. Um, that's a huge uh, opportunity, and I think we're we're moving down that path. I certainly hope we are. But um, you know, it's uh, as you, you were talking about people that haven't seen you in a while, and they say, "Man, you look good." Like I get that a lot too. You know, people are like, "Man, you actually look younger." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what happened? And uh, you know, I, I think what it is is you know you get better. What uh what came up to me, and this would be like the last thing I say, and then I'll I'll just pitch it over to you to close it out. But like. One thing, you know, Freud had like the id, the I, you know, the ego, you know, just this one singular personality idea type, right? And Carl Jung talks a lot about this, you know, there's a duality there. And I, I'm a little more in the Jungian um, frame of mindset, right? Like, I, I don't know that I ascribe to either, you know, it's not either or, it's and, and both, right? But this idea that there's a masculine and feminine energy in each of us, right? There's a, so the, the masculine energy of, of a man is, you know, the, uh, the provider, the presider, the, the one that, uh, you know, maybe builds things or, you know, is looking to level up, uh, financially or whatever these things are, right. You know, and, the, the, the feminine energy is like the creative or the explorative or the, uh, self-awareness piece. Right. And so I think, you know, a lot of men stray away from this feminine energy because that's not cool. Right. Like I need to be the, the silverback in my tribe. And I think a lot of times because we get so singularly focused on one part of our personality, that other side takes a back seat or becomes the, 
you know, the ugly duckling that we don't talk about, but it's still a part of our personality. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, to relate it to your situation, you know, and, and you're talking about your mother and your daughter, there's no way that those two family members have that uh, huge heart and compassion to help and want to, you know, proliferate better human emotional people uh, that, that doesn't exist in your family without it existing in you as well. You know, you talked about the genetics, so it's just something, I don't know that that's necessarily a question. It's just more of a statement, you know, that that we need to recognize that both of these personalities are within us. Even the feminine, uh, or females have feminine and masculine energy as well. I, I have had female bosses that I've worked for that were amazing. I mean, boy, they were go getters, like, you know, very, strong, uh, accomplished women, uh, you know, doing a lot of great things in the military. And they were just, they were harnessing that masculine energy at the same time as their feminine energy. Right. And so it's, it's not, again, it's not an and, or it's, you know, we both, you know, both sexes, both, both of us have this masculine and feminine energy and it's not, it doesn't make you less of a man or more or less of a woman to harness that. Right. And, and just be aware of that and, and maybe use that as a tool to make you a more well-rounded person and a, and a happier person, because that's contagious. Uh, yeah. So I, I know I said a lot there, but, I, you know, I just want to give it over to you and let you let you close it out however you like, sir. Floor is yours. Yeah, thank you. Um, that that last one was a that was a tough one, actually, to think about. Um, but, you know, I, I can go back to when I was you know, at home in Appleton, Wisconsin, and in the same dynamic associated with what I was talking with my mom, you know, and me and, and others, um, it, it's, you know, it's still there. <laughs> right. And, and then when I fast forward, now that I'm thinking about it, um, you know, one of those things at, at InServe, so you, you might be in that office, right? And I was in that office. And, um, just just having those unbelievable you know people who know exactly what they're doing and what they're looking for and the technical and all of that i just remember uh on the second part of the downhill you know my first my first year and i was doing a lot of just going on you know um, trials and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, but when that second destroyer had the problem and and um you know congress got involved it just turned completely. And the, the funny thing was we didn't, we didn't have hardly any females on the board of inspection and survey. We just did. We just didn't. Maybe we had more. So um, we at least got some um, uh, folks from the enlisted community to, because so we're, we were trying to figure out how to populate people who were somewhat different than others <laughs> in, right. in the board of inspection and survey. And so the first thing that I could, I could figure out and I, I got, I had, I only have, and you probably will see it. There's only like six, you know, um, it, um, only about six folks who are uh, 06s. And then the rest are all other technical folks and everything else. Right. But I, I was just trying to just get my, I was racking my brain and I'm looking at the whiteboard. So I, I told someone, just bring a whiteboard on here in here. And that's the best thing you can ever do. Get a whiteboard and start drawing on it. And I said, now go find this, the, 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 old, the, the youngest and the oldest around here. <laughs> really, I wanted the youngest. 
And I wanted the youngest because they will think differently in, in general than what, the, what we normally do, right? And, and over time, that, and, and I, some of those 06s were not happy with me. I threw a couple of them out and I said, I, I want that guy and that person. And, and, and then we had these conversations about how would you do this, right? And I can't even remember exactly other than we were told to do something different by Congress and everyone else. And that's what I was told to do. And so I, I think over time, that's, you know, everything that we have, we have to take a look at females and everyone else. You know, when Tony Cochran came into that seat and, and he's when you go see him, you know, don't piss him off because he's really, really, really big. And he, anyway, <laughs> but that man I know Tony, yeah. is is one of those people who wants to stay as long as he can because he loves what he's doing. OK, but what we also have to do now is we don't have a lot of females. We, we don't have a lot of females. And there's a lot of people that say, well, who cares? Well, I think it, it, it means a lot in every single enterprise to have as much people who are different anywhere we can, period, you know, because they're going to have different ideas. They're going to have more opportunities to think differently. And, um, and I think most of us are starting to think that way. There's still a lot of people that, that aren't. With, some... Without diversity, there is no such thing as innovation. And without innovation, yeah. you're, you're, not, you're not moving the needle. Yeah. Yeah. Diversity Amen. plus diversity plus innovation equals the needle getting moved. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good that's a very good uh, question and answer period right there. Anyway, right, sir, you you got the the last word. Uh, anything you uh, anything you want to add uh, before we close out here? Um, well, first, thanks. You know, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I do enjoy this. Um, that there, when we're off here, I just want to just talk to you just real quickly about something. Not not a big deal, but um, um, but I think you know with uh, with John Cordell and what you're doing uh, with Cod uh, um, podcast, sorry, and uh, all kinds of other. I think it's it's very very helpful, and I think it it gets us faster and allows us to work together with each other, right? And so from my perspective, I think what you're doing is phenomenal. Uh, I hope, hopefully you do it <laughs> for a while. Um, and I think if, you know, having a conversation with, with John, uh, I haven't had coffee with him for a while. You know, maybe we do that, the three of us, because I think that would be very, very, very helpful. Um, and I think um, over time, that's, that's what he's trying to fix, right? I mean, yeah. corporately, that's what he's trying to, to fix. You're doing it in, in a different way with podcasts and everything else and kind of going out there a little bit faster and having the conversations faster, right. which is really, really what I like about it. And then at, at the end of the day, um, I'd be happy to continue to do this um, if people uh, are interested in it. And um, and if not, you know, I'll go do something else. But um, but this is it's fun and it's interesting and I think it's important. And, and we only we can we only reach one person, you know, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sir. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to that coffee with you and John. All right. All right. Out here. Sounds good. Thanks. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that the content contributed in some way to your personal evolution. Share the conversations and stories that mean the most to you by reaching out to Jeff at Jeff Bayless underscore on Instagram. If you get anything out of the show, please consider subscribing, leaving a rank and review. 
The best compliment you could give the project is by simply sharing it with someone you think it might resonate with. Love and gratitude always. We'll chat next week on the Evolution Podcast.